Welcome to Off the Draw. Let's talk a little bit about the debate that we've been we've been hyping for a little bit here. The uh, the Jack Hughes Capo Caco debate. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't realize there was still a debate. I mean, I I thought Hughes put that to rest last week. I, I don't think so. I think he I think for him to put it to to rest, he's got to do it against people that aren't children. He's playing at the kids' table right now. And he's he's consistently ducked tough competition. He had an opportunity to go to juniors or go overseas like Austin Matthews did this year. And what did he do? He he decided to stick it out and play in the USHL again, which, you know, well, is a really stout just, hockey league. It was probably just important to him to break every single record ever. Yeah, I think I would have rather seen him play against people that were a little bit bigger than him and a little bit more physically gifted or t- and just overall talented so let's all right so i yeah i think this this clearly shows which side (laughs) but but to to give him credit he is playing in the men's tournament next week which you know capo caco has been playing with the finnish team in friendlies for the last two weeks he hasn't been uh padding his ea eahl uh stats playing against children in the uh, u18 tournament Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get your shots in before I destroy you on this. Oh, okay. <laughs> so why don't you break down Jack Hughes for us? Okay. So if you like elite skating, if, do you like Nathan McKinnon? He's okay. Yeah. So so think Nathan McKinnon. Well, not okay. He's the best skater in the league, probably outside of McDavid. So as close as you can get with not without being Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid, that's the skating that you're going to see with Hughes. Uh, his absolute breakaway burner speed isn't that level. Everything else is as good, if not better. He's got world-class side-to-side edge ability. It's just unreal. What, what he can do just in, from, from, a, from a glide standpoint. So his feet aren't chopping. From a glide standpoint, he makes other people look like they're standing still. Um, he, he, he will walk into the league in the top 10, potentially even top 5% of the skater. So he's going into the best league in the world and will immediately be one of the best skaters uh, ever. I mean, he's unreal from a, from an edge work aspect. Now, a lot of that is, is natural ability. And a lot of that is the fact that he comes from a family where that's all they focus on. Um, he's got really good vision. He, he works a lot of his in uh, zone play is on the half wall and he works it back up towards uh, the blue line. He's not uh, the knocks against him. You know, he's 5'10", 170 ish pounds. So he's small. So all the same concerns that you would have had about Quinn Hughes, you've got to have about Jack as well. Um, but Quinn broke into the NHL and put a lot of those to rest right away. So now whether or not that can be sustained for a full season, we'll see. Um, but he's just an elite playmaker, elite zone entries, great on the breakout, uh, above average in his own zone. And his skating is just so unique and so fantastic that uh, there's no chance, in my my opinion, that he's not going to be in an effective first-line center in the NHL. Um, is he going to be a top-five center in the NHL? Probably not. But I think you're probably looking at a you know 75 to 85-point player who's just going to have some highlight real plays. 
Now, my 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 problem with Jack Hughes is he's a perimeter player, so he doesn't he he doesn't drive the net even when he's not at a physical disadvantage at a when even when he's phys- physically superior to his competition, like he is playing in the uh, bantam league that he's playing in right now. Um, he still doesn't drive to the net. He's he's a v- extremely talented skater, and I. And my I, all the knocks on Jack Hughes, I obviously think that Jack Hughes is worthy of being a number one or a number two overall selection. The the question for me is, would you take him over Capo Caco? And I wouldn't. Capo Caco has been playing against men all year. He played in he played in the Finnish Elite League, and he had one of the best U eighteen seasons in the history of the Finnish Elite League. He had 22 goals and 16 assists for 38 points in 45 games. Only two players in the history of the Finnish Elite League have had more points in their U18 season, and nobody has had more goals. And by the way, the two players that had better single-season point totals than him were Alexander Barkov and Michael Granlund. So two high-quality NHL players, one of whom is a top-10 center, top-15 center in the league. Capococco, when you watch him play, he's a power forward with nasty hands. He plays with an edge. If you watch him playing, especially towards the end of the season and in the playoffs, he's the kind of guy he relishes going down into the corners and winning puck battles one-on-one. And he's doing it against professional hockey hockey players in what is a top five league in the world. I would say that the league, that SM Liga is... Uh, at least at least on par with the AHL and probably a better league. So he's putting up he was almost a goal a, game, a point a game player in a professional league playing against guys that were vastly physically superior to him because if you, you got to remember even though the Capocaco is a power forward he's 6 foot 2 190. He can easily if you look at his frame he's wiry. He can easily pack on another 20 maybe 30 pounds, but he's probably going to play at a 215-pound playing weight. And if you watch him play, he's got a nasty shot. He's Patrick Laine mixed with a little bit of Alex Barkov. Uh, He has a phenomenal shot when he wants to use it. He has ridiculous hands. He can stick handle in a phone booth. And he knows how to use his size and his length to win puck battles and to protect the puck and get to the net. And one of the things he does particularly well is after he wins those down low puck battles in the corners or behind the net, he's extremely good at finding open teammates in the slot. Uh, When he has the puck on the power play on the half wall, he's extremely good at either finding an open shooting lane or getting the puck into high scoring uh, areas. Uh, When you watch Capo Caco play against, again, adult competition, and when you see him put up the the kind of numbers he's putting up, I I think he's more NHL ready than Jack Hughes. I don't think that the talent gap, if there is one, is big enough to offset the question marks that I have about whether or not Jack Hughes uh, can duplicate what he's doing at the NHL level. Uh, I think that Capocacco is a surefire. He steps into the NHL right now as a legitimate second-line winger on probably... 30 NHL teams. And I think the ceiling there is Alex Barkov or Patrick Laine. Um, and not this year's Patrick Laine, good Patrick Laine, who, 
by the way, in Patrick Laine's U18 season in SM Liga, he had 17 goals, 16 points for 33 points in 46 games. So in more games, he had fewer goals and fewer points than Capo Caco. So that's the kind of player you're getting. He's an elite, elite player who real who deserves to be in the conversation for first overall. It shouldn't be a Jack Hughes and a bunch of also rands. It's I think there's a serious debate there, and I would not uh, hold it against New Jersey if they took Capo Caco over Jack Hughes. I think the you know, when, when I do my comparison between Caco and Hughes, I think Caco is a more NHL ready prospect. But I think when you look at this, the potential ceiling for Hughes as a top-line center who's going to be driving play consistently, I weigh that more heavily than you know a, a, a guaranteed second-line uh, winger who has the upside of a potential you know top 15 winger in the game. I just I, I you can't pass up in my opinion a potential franchise changing center in Hughes for a really good winger. And see, I, 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 we've had this conversation a couple times. I don't, I think that in today's NHL, the distinction really between centers and wingers, as far as driving play is, I think diminished, if not completely irrelevant. Uh, You see all the time teams with good wingers where the winger is the one that carries the puck through the neutral zone and the winger is the one that handles the zone entries. You don't – the days of the breakout flowing uh, exclusively through the center are gone. Uh, Yeah. I think a puck-moving defenseman is much more important to a team than a number one puck-moving center. Uh, And I think you can can run an offense through an elite winger like Capo Caco who – he has good speed. Uh, I know that there there have been some – uh, and some scouts say that his speed is his we- a speed is a weakness in his game. It's not a weakness. He's it's not a strength in his game. I think he has above average speed uh, in the NHL. He's a perfectly fine skater. He's not Patrick Line slow. Uh, I think, I, and that's where I think Alexander Barkov is a great comparison. Uh, both are good power forwards, and Alexander Barkov isn't going to light the world on fire with his speed, but. He's certainly an above-average skater in the NHL, and I think that's where I see Capocaco, who and, also and did play what, center some in junior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at look at Kako, the comparison to Barkov is interesting because Barkov is an unheralded star. I mean, really, until this year, I mean, he's been he's been he's been a really good player. He's been a top-line center, but he has that underrated tag on him, and I and I see Kako potentially being that type of player too, where, you know, five years into the league, he's effective, but he's not a star yet. And he probably never, you know, he'll, he'll be underrated until he's not. Um, would you, know, you take a, he, would you take an Alexander Barkov on the wings? Yeah, but I'd also take a <laughs> Nathan McKinnon or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if we had a top two, you know, if we had the second pick right now, I'd be happy either way. I mean, but I think the if I'm sitting at first, I'm not passing up on Jack Hughes. And and I will say, so when we went into the year to begin with, I was not as high on, you know, I, I viewed Jack Hughes as a number one pick, but I didn't love him as a player. I didn't think he was transcendent. 
I had the, those same concerns about Quinn Hughes until he got into the NHL and I saw how he broke out of the zone. I saw how he gained the zone as a defenseman. So imagine having a center with that same skill. It makes me much uh, less concerned about him being effective at the NHL level than I originally was based on his size. And I think the, the, the true test for these two players is going to be next week. Um, even though most teams aren't bringing their, their A game players, uh, a lot of, you see a lot of players taking these tournaments off. I still think uh, if if Jack Hughes can do what he's doing, if he can put up, what was it, 20 points he put up in the U18s, something stupid mm-hmm. like that, um, if he can do that against physically mature uh, players in the men's tournament, then I might have to re-examine it. But I, I also think that if Capo Caco goes in there and has a great tournament the way that I expect him to do, he was a point-of-game player in the uh, league of playoffs if he's a point of game player in this tournament and Jack Hughes is say a 0.8 or a 0.75 point of game player, I think that's going to add more fuel to the fire of whether this is a Jack Hughes unquestionable first overall pick or whether this is a situation kind of like the uh, Nico Heeshear, uh Nolan Patrick, Nolan Patrick draft where Nolan yeah. Patrick was the unquestioned number one pick until he wasn't. And that was what, a couple weeks before the draft when Nico Heeshear yeah, kind of overtook him. Yeah. yeah. So I, I can definitely see this mirror, mirroring that where Jack Hughes, because he's put up the video game numbers playing against children, uh, I could see it taking something like a unbelievable tournament for Capo Caco and a less than impressive tournament for Jack Hughes uh, to finally push uh, Caco over the edge. Yeah, I mean, at least for us, it gives us a reason to be invested in the in the you know the worlds that are coming up because you've got the potential top two picks at, on the same field for the first time, meaning they're they're both playing against a handful of NHLers and men, so it'll be a really good side by side comparison. Now, presumably, Jack's going to have a much smaller role on the team because the USA is deeper than Finland's team. Uh, but still, it'll be a really good avenue for us to view them in a much com- more comparable environment than what they've had so far. Because like you've pointed to many times, they're coming at this from two drastically different sides uh, and two drastically different paths. So, uh, and I, I, I also will, want to throw uh, in there, um, the United States and Finland are in the same uh, pool. Whoa, for the world head. championship. So fit, we're going to see a Jack Hughes v. Cabo Caco matchup in round robin. And Blasio loves to put centers on the wing, so there is a chance that they'll line up against each other on the wing. Yeah, and we'll see if... Uh, <laughs> we'll see what... We'll, and we'll see if Jack... If, if Cabo Caco can cover a guy as fast and as shifty, well, I guess more shifty, uh, like Jack Hughes, then that also eliminates another question mark for Capococco going into the NHL about whether or not he has the speed to keep up. Either way, I'm, I, you know, as I'm sitting here today, number one pick, I'm taking Hughes, but I'm reserving my final judgment until after this tournament. All right, let's, let's move on a little <laughs> bit to the number one defenseman in this draft. Oh, man. So if, if, Bowen, Bryum, if Bowen Byram falls to six, 
it'll arguably be one of the best days of my life. I think he's an elite defenseman. I think he walks into most, if not all, uh, prospect pools of any organization as their top defensive prospect. I think he's still a year or two away from the NHL, but I think, uh, I mean, he's just of the defensemen in this class. He's hands down the best one there is. Uh, he's coming out of the WHL with the Vancouver Giants um, in 67 games played. He had 26 goals and 45 assists. So that 26 goals ties him with Chris Russell in uh, under 18 goals by a defender. And that's ahead of players like Matt Dumba, who was at 20 Provorov, who was at 15. Uh, he's got a, a later birth date. Um, so he's on the younger end of uh, those eligible for the draft this year. I want to, I, I just want to mention really quickly that you're comparing a guy, a guy's offensive production to Chris Russell as a positive. <laughs> Noted, noted, yeah. noted, noted offensive juggernaut, Chris Russell. Who, who was an offensive juggernaut in junior. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, if, if I were to compare him, so uh, people are probably going to be more uh, uh, more able to compare players this year to last year's defensive stock because they were more heralded. So, you know, you had Hughes, you had Darlene, you had uh, Bouchard, you had uh, Dobson, and you had uh, Boquist. So if you, if you compare – uh, Byram's level to those defensemen. Um, I probably, you know, obviously I put him behind Darlene and I'd probably put him right behind Quinn Hughes, but it's not too far behind. Uh, and I'd put him ahead of Bouchard. So, um, Bouchard is a, a really good, um, comparison for me, uh, between the two players because I think, uh, Byram's a better skater. I think they're similar in, in their D zone. You know, they both kind of stand still and a little bit more, uh, pylons when uh, they're kind of defending against the cycle and that's that's what sticks out to me about this player is Bowen Byram is a phenomenal neutral neutral zone defender uh when it's when he's defending the breakout or the zone entry he's phenomenal when guys are moving he's great he can track the puck he can track his man he doesn't lose his men in coverage if they do some kind of tricky uh stunt or cross route he's he's very good at playing neutral zone defense and he's good on rush defense what puzzles me is he is so bad at def- at zone defense for a sustained possession so on the penalty kill uh for example he's not the guy i want out there because he loses his men when he has to stand still and play zone defense uh, and if a team gets the puck in on him which is hard to do but if they get the puck in and they can sustain that pre- that possession for 10 to 15 seconds he's probably going to get exposed um he really needs to work on his effort in the defensive zone on zone defense he tends to get i don't know if it's lazy or if he's not confident or unsure what he's supposed to be doing um but he tends to get to lose his man and he gets beat a lot on backdoor goals uh Mm -hmm. when he's when he's facing sustained zone possessions but I would have. I actually ha- like him more than Quinn Hughes um, as an all-around defender, uh, which is ironic considering I just tore his zone defense to shreds. But <laughs> he's he has an absolute bomb of a of a slap shot. Um, his shot's knows, unreal. He knows how to use it. Even his wrist shot, he can get that thing through traffic. Um, his ability, uh, and we had this conversation a while ago. Uh, 
I compare his ability to get a shot through traffic to the net to Nick Lidstrom. Uh, and that's a huge comparison, especially for you, a Wings fan, um, who I, th- I think Lidstrom is the greatest defenseman of all time. And Bowen Byram doesn't have a rocket of a wrist shot, and his slap shot is good. It's a, I, I, I called it a bomb, but I, that might have been overstating it. He has a very good slap shot. Uh, he's not Shea Weber back there, but he gets that puck to the net. He, there is, you do not see very many of his shots getting blocked. Uh, he has perfected the toe drag to wrist shot from the blue line, which I think is a very underrated skill for a defenseman. He uses the defenders as screen, the, the opposing forwards as screens and the opposing defenseman. He's good at moving the puck to pull, uh, skaters out of position and set up screens he's good at moving goalies from the blue line and he's very good at using his offensive abilities to get other players open so you'll see him on the blue line toe the line a little bit not like Lidstrom but toe the line do a uh, toe drag and fake and act like he's setting up his wrist shot and then you'll see him find a guy on the hash marks uh, for a one-timer or an offensive scoring opportunity he's a brilliant offensive defenseman, um, and I think he certainly will go in the top five. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes as high as third overall. Uh, but I, I really am concerned about his uh, his defensive zone uh, play, and I, for that reason, I, I think he's a surefire number one def- uh, power play quarterback kind of player, uh, more of a number two defenseman. Uh, possibly a really solid anchor on a second pair. Uh, but he, he's definitely a, a, a guy that I want to have on my team. Yeah, I, I compare him a bit to Roman Yossi. Um, you know, I think uh, if you look at him today and you look, you compare the two games, obviously Yossi is much better in its defensive end. But I think that's, a, that's something that's pretty typical of a defenseman this age uh, is, you know, a lot of their defensive positioning and where to be and how to read the play comes – you know, with good coaching and, and being taught where you need to be. You can't teach some of the things he does offensively. When, you know, when, he, when he turns his skates and moves his hip, it opens up a, a passing lane for him to kick it to the other point, and all of a sudden they've got a wide-open shooting lane. I mean, he just he does the little subtle things with his body that just throw defenders off. Um, I like him to Roman Yossi because I think, they're, I think he projects as someone who's going to be a consistent two-way defenseman who, who really is more of that 1B with the potential to take over uh, his own, uh, he could he could anchor the the blue line himself. But you you want him more as a supporting member of, of a really good pair. Um, you know, when Roman Yossi was at his best, there were other really you know there's other really good defensemen on his decor, uh, and that allows him you know, to kind of thrive and, and be a little unheralded at times. Um, and I think Byram is, like I said, he's going to walk into almost any organization and be their top defensive prospect right away. Mm-hmm.